I think being on a shout the night before my wedding is probably something that means that the RNLI is sitting in our family home for the rest of my life. I'm Dan Holland. I'm one half of Adventurous Audio, who are the producers of the 200 Voices podcast. I'm also a former RNLI volunteer. I volunteered at Kesset Lifeboat Station, and I, as well as being seagoing crew, I was the Lifeboat Station press officer. I fell in love with the RNLI when I was eight years old. It was 1985, and I was standing on the Shingle Beach at Flamborough, North Landing, the old lifeboat station, and I watched the lifeboat launch down the slipway. The the, the lifeboat enthusiasts uh, who are listening, it was an Oakley class, and I saw the lifeboat launch across the beach. I watched the volunteers take her into the water and punch through the waves and head out of the bay, and I turned to my mother at that point and I said, one day I want to do that. And I don't know what it triggered in me, but at that point, there was something that got into me, it got into my soul, and it got into my head, and it has stayed there ever since. And fast forward a few years, I was lucky enough to have some stability in where I was working and what I was doing and be near to a lifeboat station. And I walked into Keswick Lifeboat Station many years later, and it was the most intimidating thing I've done, but it was welcoming. And I sat down and I said, hello, I'm Dan. I'd like to volunteer. How do I go about it? And you form a bond with other volunteers who they entrust their life into your hands and you entrust your life into their hands. And so, of course, they want to know, get the measure of you. And so it can feel quite guarded. But once those bonds and those friendships were were formed, it has created some of the most enriching, empathetic, supportive relationships of my life, friendships that will last me forever until the very end, and experiences with, with other people that you just can't experience in any other scenario in the world. And it's very hard to describe that bond that RNLI volunteers form with other volunteers um, because through the nature of what the RNLI does, you go and experience things that you're not really meant to experience in a normal day-to-day world of what we do as human beings. But when you're able to go to sea or work on a beach and help people in their moment of need, when you have the ability to really, really change somebody's life, that's incredible. Every RNLI volunteer will tell you they've got memorable shouts. And, and I've got several too. For example, the night before I was getting married, I was sitting on a lifeboat at three o'clock in the morning. Daylight was just coming up and everyone turned and looked at me and said, you're not meant to be here. 
and I was meant to be walking down the aisle in about 10 hours' time. But, you know, there are other ones. And, but I think the one that really sticks with me is the first time I did CPR uh, on a shout. We were searching for uh, a person who'd entered the water. Uh, we'd found them. We'd recovered them onto the lifeboat. And and this was slightly before the days of the the casualty care check cards that everyone is used to using now. So there was an awful lot of information that had to be held in your head. And we we started CPR. We did the very best we could for for the person. My brain was desperately rattling through everything I was trying to remember. We didn't think we were successful. And many, many cases of CPR, as everyone will know, aren't successful. Some are, and that's why we do it. That's why we learn this skill. And I went home that evening, late at night, feeling really quite dejected. I felt numb and quite raw, and I felt a failure, I'll be honest. I hadn't been able to help this person along with my other crewmates. And I didn't sleep that night. Um, I can still see the person's face right in front of me now, lying across the back bench of an Atlantic 75 lifeboat. And I drove to work. It was a grey, a grey, windy, wet day. And I sat in the car park at work, just about to go into the building. And the news headlines came on. And the top story was man saved by RNLI after being pulled from the water. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, I just burst into tears. I sat in my car and I cried. And not because of the difficulty of the night before or the emotion of everything. It was at that moment that actually the enormity of what that I as a volunteer and many thousands around the UK and Ireland were able to do with the skills and the training we have. But that moment there, that night, we had made an enormous difference to that person. And, and I think it was that emotion of this is the impact you can have on someone's absolute direst moment in need you can help you can make a difference and and it just hit me once the tears had gone my lifeboat operations manager phoned me he'd heard the same news bulletin and said amazing well done i think it was about my 10th shout and it was a wonderful feeling to know you could make a difference i think when you're focused on rescuing a casualty you put all your emotion aside. Everything is left on the shore when you go to sea. And all your focus is on that one person or those multiple casualties, if that's what the tasking is. And I think it's only really when you come ashore again, you start to think about the impact of, of the what-ifs if we weren't successful, um, if it wasn't a positive outcome. And goodness, there are probably as many, if not more, that aren't. I don't know the exact numbers. I think one of the things about 
The 200 Voices podcast is the number of people I've spoken to who have had a positive impact of family members being returned or being saved themselves and having subsequent generations of family. And those are incredibly uplifting stories. I think of Niels Forstevit, for example, who was the chief engineer on the Bonita. He went on to have children and grandchildren and has lived a wonderful life in his own words. But there's always the ones that you can't help. And I think those are, the, those are some of the, the shouts that actually stick more with, with me. And perhaps in early March on the bicentenary of the RNLI, those might be the ones that I perhaps think of more in my own time as a volunteer. Producing the Online's 200 Voices podcast has been an absolute privilege. Some of the stories that have come through that we have been able to tell are just incredible. All of them are incredible. I think they show some of the greatest examples of humanity, humility, resilience, compassion, love, care, and on and on and on. And it would be difficult to say, pick a favourite. And, and I've been asked that several times. That's a bit like trying to choose your favourite child. Nobody wants to do that. There are, of course, some that really stick in my mind. And let's be honest, there have been rivers of tears shed in recording some of these stories because I'm very, very lucky um, with my previous RNLI experience. The first thing I say to everyone is I used to be a volunteer too. So you're not speaking to the media. You're not speaking to a TV camera. You're talking to a volunteer, a former volunteer. And and immediately you can see people relax and you can see they're, they're, um, they just kind of breathe out and go, oh, okay, let's talk. And that makes a real difference. And so people have been very incredibly open and incredibly trusting with me and their conversations. And that that in itself is very humbling, I'll be perfectly honest. Yes, there are lots that stick in my mind. I think the ones that really stick in my mind are the ones that actually, where the podcast itself is going on to affect change. There are some really, really amazing stories. But for example, I mentioned Neve Fitzpatrick, who was one of the earlier episodes Neve's sister, Dara Fitzpatrick, was crew on Irish Coast Guard Helicopter 116. And Neve talks incredibly about um, grief, about the role the RNLI had in rescuing Dara. And it's a, it's, as a listen, it's an incredible listen. And I would urge anyone to go and listen to it, especially if you are grieving at the moment. But when you take that to the next step, I spoke to Mike Picknett, who is the lifeboat operations manager at Redcar Lifeboat Station, and he heard the same story. And he said to all of his crew at Redcar, I want you to go and listen to this because this is what we can do for families, for loved ones. And in, in what we do when we go to sea, this is the impact we can have. And I think when stories like that can make a difference 
elsewhere around the coast, it's enriching something else. And, and another one that really springs to mind is at Keswick Lifeboat Station, historically, there have been we, we've had shouts where we were going to people in the water. Whether they intentionally or unintentionally entered the water, we had lots of shouts to people in the water. And I spoke to Mike Swan at Galway Lifeboat Station. He's the operations manager there. And Mike um, has similar issues in Galway, and they affected enormous change in Galway City with getting agencies on board, making a really bespoke response in Galway to the number of people in the water. It was collaboration, it was communication, and it was success. And inadvertently, I've made sure that everyone at Keswick um, has heard that episode, because if what Mike has done in Galway could be replicated in somewhere else that's got a similar problem, then again, it can affect change. I come naturally from a, a, an audio and podcast production background. I spent 20 years working in BBC radio, and along with my uh, now business partner, Penny Stewart, who also comes from that background, it has been an enormous privilege for us as Adventurous Audio to produce the RNLI's 200 Voices podcast. I remember in the very early days of conversations with the RNLI about it, when um, the RNLI explained it to us, I sat back in my chair and went, wow, that sounds incredible. Ambitious, but incredible. And as we are starting to draw towards March the 4th and the bicentenary of the RNLI itself and the culmination of these 200 voices, this collection of incredibly inspiring stories that hopefully will live on and on and on and go on to tell the story of the RNLI for many, many years to come. Um, it's in, I feel incredibly proud to have played a small part in bringing that together. To be sitting here and adding my voice to that collection is incredibly humbling and a great privilege. And not something I ever imagined, but a great privilege to be part of this collection of extraordinary people who have done and do extraordinary things. And I think if I was standing on that beach at North Landing, watching Flamborough launch again with that little eight-year-old boy beside me, what would I say? I think I would probably say, dream big and go for it. Just pull your dry suit on and go, because you never know what will happen. Hello, it's Dee Kafari here, and you've been listening to part of the RNLI's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org forward slash 200 voices, or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you.
200 Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.